is, you, is someone going to hack into it? Are, you need security updates? Yep. <laughs> Anyway, I, I'm ready. Whenever you guys are ready, I'm, I'm good. Welcome to Trivial Debates. Welcome to true. Welcome to this monthly edition of Trivial Debates. The ultimate pop culture challenge. We here have some awesome new debates this month. Now, each week, our panelists will be judged and scored on their arguments for facts, passion, and creativity. Our panelists are Chris, Yay! Jody, and Adam. Hey, guys. <laughs> the enthusiasm, ugh, it's palpable. Now, how our show works. Now, there will be, be six rounds plus a speed round by which our top two panelists will compete in subjects ranging from movies, television, music, sports, history, and a wild card round. Now, we want people to be passionate and personally mean to each other or as much as possible. It's funny, I said the exact same thing when I hosted to add on that, I do not accept quitting at all. Chris, so, more. I don't quit. <laughs> defend your point. Be passionate about it and be strong. Compete to the very end. You never know. Now, keep in mind, you can also skip to a new debate by looking at the timeline indexes in the description and going to the battles that, you, that interests you the most. Now, remember to follow us on Facebook, on YouTube, Super Meta Brothers, and Trivial Debates specifically. Trivial Debates. Right. Now, all links and information can be found in the description. Now, make sure you check out our other podcasts as well, and we'll repeat this at the end because it makes no sense for you to listen about it now. You're not going to jump to them. You're going to be watching this right now, and then afterwards, at the very end, you're like, I want more content, and we will give it to you. Good call. Good call. Good call. Okay. All righty. Are you all excited about this? I am. Woo! Oh, so excited. So excited. All right. Uh, let's get to our first question. To which I have to pull up. <laughs> you think I would have it right in front of me? No, it makes sense. Okay. That's a speed run questions. What did I say? Our first question is going to be based upon movies. Now, what movie best represents 2020? Now, let's first start off with our video in question, Chris. All right, let's go here. Uh, so we all know uh, 2020 has been uh, quite the year. Um, none of us have been allowed to go outside that much. Uh, we haven't been able to do anything. Um, so the movie I chose, oddly enough, I chose a, uh, I won with this one in a TV category a little while ago. I chose The Mist by Stephen King. Um, the reason I chose this movie is because everybody is locked inside during this movie. And all they know is if they go outside, they're going to die. That's kind of how I feel in 2020 right now. I feel like if I go outside, there's a chance that I'm going to die. 
Um, you go outside, you see everyone wearing masks right now. Um, there's no certainty. Um, nobody in the movie, The Mist, really understood what was outside, what was going on. Uh, they just knew that that quarantining was the best thing to do. They, they had to stay inside that supermarket pretty much. And I'm sure anyone else in the world was also um, staying inside their houses. Uh, what is amazing that uh, this movie actually does reflect 2020 is because we are all waiting for the government to come in, step in, and and fix this all for us. Uh, what happens at the end of the mist? The government comes in, clears out all the problems. Um, the, the government finally comes, they send in the army, and everything is solved. And that's what we're waiting for. Okay, thank you, Chris, for your response. Um, you did in a minute. Good job. Um, we'll move on to the second contestant, which is Jody. I'm the third contestant, but that's all right. Um, I picked a movie called Idiocracy, uh, which is a 2006 American science fiction comedy uh, made by Mike Judge of uh, obviously Office Space and King of the Hill fame. Uh, this movie starts Luke Wilson, which is literally the most boring guy imaginable uh, that you can have. Uh, but the whole point of the movie is he is picked to be part of a experiment to essentially uh, freeze people. Uh, so um, whatever the hell you call that. But anyway, uh, cryogenics. Um, he wakes up 500 years later to a world where essentially commercial commercialism has run rampant. And the government really has no idea. Like the government's run by like a stripper, uh, and it just kind of it, it. I can kind of relate to how stupid everybody looks in this movie because of the fact that literally I see people walking around right now, you know, protesting wearing a mask because you know that is such a you know terrible thing to have to do in life uh, compared to the alternate of killing people. Um, everything about this movie screams everybody is just so stupid now. Um, and I guess in a way that's a reflection of how I feel this entire uh, year has gone, uh, including seeing how, you know, on the world stage, how people, uh, especially certain leaders of certain countries that are south of me, uh, have uh, managed to take a pandemic and just wildly make everybody look so stupid and everybody is just stupid about the entire thing. Um, so that's the reason why I I picked that one because it's just terrible. Right. Great job. Um, contestant number three. <laughs> and now moving on to contestant number two because we're doing things all out of order. It's crazy. <laughs> Adam, please post your entry. Hey, Jamil. Okay. I picked the uh, 2020 film, uh, sorry, 2020, 2000 film called uh, Castaway, starring Tom Hanks. Um, the reason I picked this film, uh, in the parallel to 2020, you know, when you think about how, you know, how the characters were introduced, working in a just a busy life. He's got a busy life, girlfriend, never a time for relationships. He's just, all he's really focused on is, is the, is the work. Um, but, you know, it's amazing to see during the plane crash in that movie, how fast just things can fall apart because he's got his, his life and then he's on a deserted island, only survivor. And, uh, you know, has to really adapt and make the best of it. And you can see how quickly he is. He's a problem solver. He's working by himself. He's isolated. Um, and he's trying to really, you know, 
make it through. And you can see, just like we do in this 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 world, and I'm, I'm you know I'm not speaking for my other contestants, but I believe it would be true, is that you go through ebbs and flows, and your ups and downs, and you feel some days depressed and some days elated, but ultimately while we're discovering all new things about ourselves and, and uh, but it's the relationships that you get you going, get you through this crap. And, you know, at the end of it, he was rescued, he, but he got himself off that Island. And, uh, but again, the relationships that he developed and, and what he saw as personally um, uplifting to him, got him through it. And I believe we're going to get there just another six or eight months and we'll be through this. Okay. Thank you for your entry. All right. So, um, before I have a free-for-all, I just want to um, kind of pair up uh, and have an argument between um, both Chris and Adam on uh, your uh, your choices because there's a lot of similarities. Can both of you um, debate? Uh, Why well, is one better than the other? Well, Adam, I, uh, I like your movie in that it, it has a lot to do with isolation. Um, but that is about one man and who makes a friend with a, a friggin' volleyball. Um, <laughs> my movie is more, um, it's more about um, family. It's not family or oriented, but it's about people being quarantined together, being stuck in a situation, being scared to go outside. I mean, um, that was a castaway was a great movie, but he wasn't scared to go outside. He was outside all the time. Um, he wasn't scared of a pandemic. He wasn't scared of getting killed out there. Uh, he was he was lonely, yes, but I, I don't think it represents the pandemic and the fact that we're looking for the government to come and save us as much as my movie does. Okay, your movie was a good choice too. I, I however, unrealistic and not true. Um, here's the difference: is that yes, it's about one man, but one man who had to conquer his own demons and, and let's face it Chris there's a lot of mental health issues out there right now and people are trying to survive and trying to develop things that work for them I mean myself even you know this year I learned how to skateboard at 49 years old and I joined podcasting my god and these are two of the best things that are happening to me right now I, I, I look so forward to these nights why because it's new it's exciting it keeps me diff something different that I've never done before um, I think it's just a little more realistic to this I do believe then then while I love the mist, I love the story, the, the actual written one, and I love the adaptations. Uh, uh, just, I, I found it a little extreme to where you're going here, you know, because you know, you step out the door, you're dead in that in that story. There's no, there's no living. Okay. Well, uh, thank you guys. Thank you guys for your initial statements. Thank you very much, Jody. Um, can you please um, compare your movie to um, their movies, please? Uh, I think both of them went for the isolation type uh environment where i was kind of looking more at to the socialized uh version of the events that are happening around us um you know the pandemic is real you know all that and i have to give props to chris because quite honestly i never would have thought he would have came up with that for this uh, question but um you know both of them are very good picks i i understand where they're coming from when it comes to the you know, the subject at hand and, you know, obviously 2020 as a reflection. Um, my movie, I feel, is just a little um, a little bit more of the social aspect of things. You know, social media is just buzzing with, you know, videos of, you know, idiots doing stupid things that, you know, is basically threatening their entire population. Um, you know, stuff like that. And that's kind of where I wanted to kind of go with mine. Um, 
Adams, I, I understand is more of, um, you know, an isolation kind of thing. You know, what happens when your world just completely goes upside down, uh, which is really what, you know, Castaway is about, I think, um, you know, again, very, very good reflection. I think all three are very good picks. Um, do I think mine is, is superior? Uh, depends on how you look at the angle. Uh, but overall, I think it's a nice way of criticizing what's happening in the world and how people are, um, are responding, uh, especially when you look at the, you know, um, they call him a uh, COVIDiots, uh, you know, the, you know, the guy recently uh, who decided to open his uh, store in protest, uh, you know, stuff like that. All these, all these stupid, okay. uh, stupid uh, choices, uh, which are what you're seeing. All right. Here, so thank you very much, Jody. Okay. Um, Chris, can you go yeah. ahead and rebut your, um, your, your two um, points that uh, people have brought against you? You have about 20 seconds. Um, I don't think there's any there's any bad points against my movie. Uh, I think that Jody admitted that it was a good pick. Uh, I also think it best represents the year because the question was, what movie best represents the year 2020? I mean, Jody's movie is about cryogenics, so this takes 500 years. This does not represent one year. Not even close. But anyway, that's the way. Well, you, oh, you said oh, it that was the cause, not the effect. You totally missed that. Okay, movie. Adam. That's what you think it's about? Adam, can you rebut, please? I, I, I'm rebutting on, on no data here because I didn't hear anybody. Unfortunately, I something blanked out. So, uh, listen, I'm not giving up here, but I can tell you, you know, we, I, I, I got. I think you got to look at something that's, that's more personal to everybody. And I think the personal story of Castaway really takes that to account uh, of the individualism, the isolationism, and and the the love and the uh, relationships that you have when you can get out, get out of this that that brings you there. I mean. I, both movies these guys talked about are great. Uh, I just personally, personally, Jamil, uh, feel I, 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 I feel what what Tom Hanks' character Chuck Nolan, uh, you know, went through in that. You know, he, he got to get out of it. You definitely have low days. You have good days, but you, you got to get out of it. Okay, thank you. And um, uh, please, Jody, wrap us up. I'll give you a couple of seconds to um, kind of uh, close it out. Uh, if you think my movie is about cryogenics, you're wrong. Uh, it's actually about the socialism and as well as the uh, things that happen when herd mentality takes over. Um, the um, as for Adam's uh, pick, I, I feel it is it is a strong pick. Uh, I think we all feel that isolation sometimes. Um, to me, I, I look at the the bad more than the good that's going on right now. Um, you know, and right now, all I'm seeing mostly are stories about people being stupid and defiant, and that's really what's causing this to drag out. Okay, thank you very much. I, I made my decision. Um, first off, great job. This is a great opening round. Everyone was very civil. Like kudos, uh, even Weird. despite the lengthy uh, <laughs> the lengthy uh, time um, in terms of our debating. Uh, but uh, Jody. Uh, I'm actually not going to give this to you. You got knocked out pretty early. I didn't think that you came hard enough in terms of describing your movie. So it was Try really to be polite. <laughs> it's really up to you, Chris and Adam. Both of you did great jobs in terms of describing your points. Um, Adam, you really did a great job in the latter part as well, kind of describing the situation. But no one really knocked Chris at all. And I was quite surprised. Uh, came out really strong. So, Chris, you get this first point. Woohoo! On the board. Okay. He is only one. 
There's <laughs> only one. There's a lot more game to go, folks. All right. We're going on to TV. I'm sorry. The squirrel, the squirrel finds a nut once in a while, Jamil. All right. <laughs> Lord, uh, you got to keep those zingers for your your answers, man. Oh, uh, I got plenty. You should know that by now. TV. What movie flop could find success with a TV adaptation? And we are going to start off with contestant number two, which is Adam. Hello. Okay, I I picked the movie um, Under the Skin with uh, Scarlett Johansson. I don't know if you guys have seen this movie, but it's it's pretty damn good. Uh, I think in 2014, it was actually voted one of the best pictures of the year and, uh, and, and was actually talked about a decade. Um, now, it, 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 I think, just let me get my notes here. Sorry, I wasn't ready on that page. Um, okay, so budget was uh, $13.3 million. It, it grossed 7.3 domestically, so it, it really did flop. Uh, good cast, uh, great storytelling. Let me, let me just outline it for you here basically it starts in scotland uh with following a character who's played by scarlett johansson who uh, goes and picks up guys and and brings them home and sort of a dilapidated house takes them into the house and draws them in and and she starts stripping her clothes off and the guys do as well and then they sort of sink into what can be best described as a black void um you know through the through the movie you determine that she's extraterrestrial there's no real sexual relationships, just the, uh, the, 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 you know, the stripping part there. But the guys go into and just basically hang in sort of a, an ether, uh, just a liquid, you know, and we're not really sure what's happening there. <clears throat> this continues through the movie. But the coolest thing here is that, you know, she starts developing sort of, well, not a consciousness, but some curiosity about humans and wants to know more. And, you know, she eats a cake uh, or a pie or something in a, in a bake shop and she gags and, you know, Anyway, great movie. Okay, thank you uh, for your entry um, under the skin. And we're now going to contestant number three. Uh, Jody, can you please give us your answer? Certainly, Jamil. Uh, give me a second. I just got to bring my notes up here. Um, so the movie that I picked was a very big commercial failure, which is Valerian in the City of a Thousand Planets. Uh, this is a series of comics that actually focused on a whole bunch of things. Um this was a movie that they essentially made for 190 million and it didn't make anything close to that uh, back. Um, the reason why I think it would actually um, go into a good TV is the amount of content that is available. Um, the, it basically follows Valerian, which is a classic hero type, um, you know, strong, brave, follows the orders of his superiors all the time, uh, you know, that type of thing. Um, he gets assigned a partner, uh, Lorelin, which basically she's very intelligent. She's determined, very independent. Uh, and of course, you know, she's, she's a nice looking lady. Um, I think the reason why it would actually translate really well into a, um, a TV show is the amount of contents that's available. It's it's a space opera, but it has um, you know the ability to see all different types of aliens. They they follow, they go everywhere all the time, kind of thing, uh, which to me you know kind of reeks of you know your Star Trek esque um, type stuff. Um, not obviously even your Star Wars stuff uh, with the resurgency of some of that. Um, so I think you know from a TV aspect, I think it's something that you could easily adapt and also get a lot of content to keep you going for those uh, many, many uh, series uh, to follow with it. Okay, thank you very much, uh, Valerian. And 
Going back to contestant number one, do you have your notes ready? I don't have any notes, but okay. I don't need them. <laughs> okay. Go ahead. Okay. So the movie I chose was a Solo, A Star Wars Story. Um, we all know this movie. Uh, I'm sure we've all seen this movie. Uh, it was a huge flop for Disney. Um, but as with anything in the Star Wars franchise, I think as a TV show, this would make a killing. Uh, I mean, it, it, think about it. Uh, you, you got Han Solo back in his days when he was, uh, he was, uh, what was he? He was, he was a, he, I don't want to call him a villain. He was a, he was a thief. He was a thief. Um, but um, you, you've got uh, Chewbacca. We know how well um, the Mandalorian has done with uh, Baby Yoda. Baby Yoda is all over the friggin' internet right now. Imagine if there's a, uh, a solo uh, TV show. Uh, we got Han Solo and Chewie and... Oh, no. Oh, no. Wait, let him finish. Did he actually finish? Way more. And he's gone. All right. Okay. Uh, let's. Uh, it's good because I was going to chew the shit out of him, so that's fine. <laughs> let's. Um, uh, producer, um, are we going to wait and um, kind of see if he can reconnect and finish his statement? Um, yeah, we should give him a chance, but let's. You know, I think you can start the rebuttal discussion now. Uh, if if you feel like there was enough you got from that, here he's trying to connect right now. Okay, um, Jody, can you please, um, Jody and um, Adam, can you please uh, debate yours? Um, okay, Chris, are you able to finish your your statement? I'm not sure where I finished off. Um, you were kind of <laughs> you're comparing it to the Mandalorian. Yes, yes. Ah, uh, yes, because the Mandalorian has a uh, baby Yoda. Imagine, imagine if Chewie and and Hans go to like uh, the Wookiee planet. And there's suddenly a baby Chewy. This would be all over the internet. This would be like the cutest damn thing ever. Okay. Can I talk? Can I can I stop right there? Okay. Chris, do it. Do it. Go hold ahead. on a second. Because okay. I'm gonna rip them if you don't. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I, I was in on solo, okay? But once you start going to freaking Wookiees and little Ewoks, this is the absolute there's worst no part Ewoks. of Star Wars. The worst part once of Star Wars is the Ewoks. The baby, the baby root or Ewoks. It became crap, and you know I loved I loved uh, uh, Return of Jedi until Endor, you know, and, and it just for me that movie the whole that was the half whole the movie. movie. Yeah, yeah, I know, and, and that was not a box office flop. That made a ton of money, and I'm not talking about an Ewoks movie. I'm talking about yeah, okay. So you're so you're basically telling us that you want a kids show, uh, uh, you know, developed for TV. I Star thought Wars, we were talking. Star Wars is a kids show. Let's face it. We all like it as adults, but it but with Solo has so much potential as an adult show. You could get in the whole criminology part of it, the whole background, the, the um oh my gosh, you could have like it's like a crime syndicate. Like it's yeah. fantastic. The possibilities for good TV are amazing. The possibilities for bad TV are where you went. I, I think so, you're uh, building up my show. Thank you. Oh, it's terrible. All right. I, I, I need to I need to talk about this for a second. <laughs> Uh, cause he didn't hit everything that I wanted to hit. 
they had two hours to make a movie about one of the greatest characters in the Star Wars universe, and they fucked it up so bad that it literally didn't make money. How do you not make money on a Star Wars movie? And then oh, you no, want to take you that. Oh, no, hold on. You want to take you want to take that. You, agree you want to take that and adapt that into a TV show where they need to make fucking at least twelve episodes or ten episodes in a season, and you want them to drag that horse shit out? What are you on? Of course I want them to drag that out. I think the TV show... Why? Because two hours made it shitty. What makes you think fucking 20 hours of content is going to be better? That's the whole point, is that it's supposed to no, be... No, that's not the that's, whole point. That's the whole point. That's the question. What it's supposed to be a good adaptation. How are you going to adaptate a movie that's so fucking terrible to begin with? It's How are you going to stretch that out? It's, it's not garbage. It's not that terrible of a movie. It just didn't Fucking Rogue One movie. was better. As Sorry, was, can you hold on a second? Chris, please give your statement. I'm just saying it, that it, it, it actually was a pretty good movie. It wasn't a terrible movie. I really enjoyed it. Um, the fact that it flopped is the point of this question. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> and, All as, right. as, a, as a TV show, I think it nice. would be a ton of money. Who wouldn't want to watch that? I would sign up right now. I would I would buy Disney+. Plus okay. Uh, thank you, Chris. Can um let's debate the other movies as well because as of right now the only thing that people have said negative about a movie is uh about solo. Yeah. Yeah. Uh I'm not familiar with Adam's uh choice. I'm definitely going to watch it cuz based on the uh, based on the uh, things that I've read here it looks interesting. I can't see how you can make this into a TV adaptation at all. Uh <laughs> my movie came from a comic book series. There's no easier thing to move to a TV concept than a con than a than a comic book based movie, in my opinion, because you already have the short stories that you can make into episodes. You already have all this. And you the have the character is, development. The problem is, is, is the comic book. Here, here's the mm -hmm. adaptations that have gone to comic or sorry, gone to television from comic have not been great. Mm -hmm. Track oh, hasn't been. I agree. I think there's a lot of movies that are adapted from comics that are amazing, but I don't. Uh, there's also a lot of that are garbage. But... They have a couple of TV shows that have been adapted from comics that are actually good. Uh, Umbrella Academy, uh, The Boys. Uh, yeah. There's a whole slew of them. No, oh, I don't. That's not a slew. That's two. Well, do you want me to spend twenty fucking minutes writing them all off? Come on, I gave you two very good examples. Got to be passionate here. You know, you know, I am being passionate. I already showed you that. There's two very good examples, but there's also, yeah. you know, one really bad one. And, oh, for sure. You know, I thought to his Walking Dead. I, I just, I was very disappointed in that adaptation. The Walking, went walking Dead way. for six seasons was really good. For, walking Dead for six seasons I, was really good is what he said. Please continue. Right. But it was not a movie, oh, so it, it doesn't apply to this. You know. No, it's comic book, though. That's his point. I, I just find your 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 story, Jody, is a little bit. It's just it's very broad. It really would take a little bit of getting into. I mean, it, it's sort of like a um, um, Game of Thrones. You know, you got to give it a couple tries before you get going onto it. I don't think it would capture the people. One of the most really successful TV series. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. It, it's, a, it's a tough you. one to get into. Um, yeah, and while my movie, I, I didn't do a great job explaining. It, ran out of time, but. There was too many damn questions. I, I just need answers. I mean, it needs to be wrapped up, and it it just ended, and, and it it wasn't. It was a great movie. I hope you do watch it, but I think you're going to walk away with feeling okay. I want more. I need more of that movie, whether it be a sequel oh, or whether it be a TV show. And, and that's where 12, yeah. 12 seasons or twelve episodes would be amazing to 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 tell me more. And that's what okay. I want. Okay, I think just one second here. I just want to um, um, move the positions. 
just so Move I can do just, okay. just, just so I can do this. Aha. Ooh. All right. But I'm okay. three, and why am I first? Well, anyway. Don't worry about it. Okay. <laughs> the numbers. Do, do, do. <laughs> All right. All right. I've made my decision. Um, <laughs> this became the uh, let's beat down uh, Chris segment. Oh, yep. Chris. It's always that. I was there with you, <laughs> but you did not say why it would be a better adaptation via television. You did not. <sighs> and that is where you lost. Damn me. Uh, I have no idea about the other two movies. Um, I have never watched any of them. Now, um, for Valerian, uh, Jody, you start off with um, giving some really good um, uh, descriptions about how it would play out. You actually got um, a boost from Adam saying that it would be yeah. like Game of Thrones, which you said was that. a very popular show. Great <laughs> yeah. job. Yeah. But the only show that people said they would actually watch... <laughs> Is Adams? You said that you would watch it. I never said that. I said I'd watch the movie. You, you no, said you'd watch it based on. Yes, you did. You said you'd watch. I'd it. watch the movie. Well, uh, you did not clarify during your statement, so oh, I okay. took it as you would watch it, right? Uh, Adam, you had a very poor description about your. your no, I did not terrible. understand anything about it, but you based five on, minutes, Emil, because the movie is not. I mean, it's a hard movie to describe. Let me tell you, based upon your passion. And that Jody would watch it. The only thing that people would say that it would actually follow up on, as a as an actual subject, wow. Adam, you win that point. Thank you, Dave. Dave, do I still have a producer credit on this show? Uh, <laughs> I because uh... I don't think I'm going to have Jamil return. <laughs> wow. I'm okay. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. You know what? Um, yeah, as I stated before, it is a combination of all things, including passion, your ability to keep through with your your story, and <coughs> biased. No, biased. What? <laughs> okay. I must have been on one to, of my kids. <laughs> moving on to our next subject, it is music. What is the best movie score in the last twenty years, from January two thousand to December two thousand and twenty? Great starting, question, by the way. Starting off with contestant number three, which is Jody. Okay. And... Oh, I'm starting? Okay. All right. So the the picture that I picked, uh, which was obviously the movie, was There Will Be Blood, uh, which I don't know if you guys are familiar with uh, that movie. I hope you are, because it was a fantastic movie. Um, basically, it's a movie about oil drig uh, drilling for the most part. Um, this is uh, happens in around the 18, 1890s areas when uh, the story starts taking place. Uh, and it's about the transition of a man and his transition in being basically everything's about the money, essentially. Um, the score itself, though, is haunting. Um, it's, 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 it's a brutal score. Um, the score itself is actually done by um, Johnny Greenwood, which I don't know if you guys are familiar with him. Uh, he's actually a guitarist for the band Radiohead. Um, and the... The score is just, it's its its so haunting. Every time you, it, it's almost like the score itself is its own character in the um, in the actual movie. You actually feel um, really good emotion from it. Like you, whenever whenever there's a scene that's getting really tense, like for instance, you know, somebody is about to get killed or, or you know, for instance, you know, equipment starts malfunctioning. You hear like the, you know, kind of thing. It, it's obviously we can't play it because of copyright, uh, but it, it's, it's, 
it just it draws everything in the scene so beautifully and he does this throughout the entire movie you almost feel that every time you hear the music it's telling its own story that's going on screen as well um so overall it's just a fantastic thing and it's a very good compliment to the movie okay thank you very much uh that is there will be blood as uh, jody's choice we're going to contest number one which will be chris chris what is your entry please okay um I chose, I went with an oddball, not an oddball movie here, but an oddball when you think about the score. I went with Zack and Mary Make a Porno. reason I chose this movie is because from the very beginning of the movie, very first scene, uh, when Seth Rogen is driving in his car, what song do you hear playing? Wynonna's Big Brown Beaver by Primus. This immediately draws me into this movie. I'm like... Okay, this movie is going to be fucking hilarious because the director actually took the time to look up Primus uh, to find a relevant song uh, that would start off this movie and just set the mood and set it so perfectly. Um, the score is, is there's also many other great songs in the movie like uh, Blondie, um, Jesus and Mary Chain. Um, there's a lot of originals by Kevin Smith in this movie, believe it or not, if you... Uh, if you actually want to look up the soundtrack. Um, but this movie gets me pumped to watch it right from the very beginning. As soon as I hear... Um, okay. We lost him again, right? Nope. Wait. Oh, he's speeding up. Uh, can you hear us, Chris? Yeah, I can hear you. We didn't hear half of what you said, I don't think. It gets what? you hyped up. Gets you hyped up. Once you get hyper, all of a sudden we can't hear anything. Uh, okay, nope. I'm making a judgment call. Adam, please go ahead and do your pick, please. All right. My my uh, score to movie was Almost Famous 2000. Um, it basically follows the story of a high school kid who was given the opportunity to write a um, uh, story for uh, Rolling Stone about an up-and-coming rock band. But this movie wouldn't have been a movie without the score behind it. It, it just, you know, you, you, could have the, you could have the soundtrack, you could have the movie, but together they, they make everything in it. It was fantastic. It was a storytelling movie. It was about, uh, you know, how how much attention you can pay to that to that that uh, that decade of, of movies. And honestly, I, I was born in the 70s, but uh, I didn't know the music as much as I could have, and until this movie, this movie came along, and man, did it get me interested! You know, when you look at that, they, they had Simon and Garfunkel, The Who, Led Zeppelin, Yes, Elton John. I mean, Nancy Wilson actually did did her own uh, scoring and writing before the band that was featured in the movie. So, it was one of those those great movies that I loved, uh, and a great quote from the movie that wrap up here: If you ever get lonely, just go to the record store and visit your old friends. Okay. Um, can I? Before can I, we can start, I... before we start, sorry, as just decision, Chris. Yeah, you are not in this debate at all. Nope. Why? This is about movie score, score. not soundtrack. Okay. Oh. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so I was going to ask the question if you didn't. Uh... <laughs> okay. So yeah, thank you for your participation, Chris. <laughs> if you have any debating that the other two contestants um, have or any uh, opinions about it, I would glad to hear it. But uh, Jody, Adam, please proceed. 
Uh, I'm familiar with Adam's uh, pick, uh, Almost Famous. I don't remember much of a score to it, but that's fine. I'm sure there is some there because it would have had to been. Um, it's... It, I, I can't I can't argue it being a decent I don't remember anything to do with the score. I remember the famous songs that were not made for the movie. They were just obviously added in. That's part difference between soundtrack versus score. Um, the my my entire movie is is a score. Um, you know, I don't remember there being any commercial um, you know commercial songs that were available prior to this uh, that were on that uh, the score, not the soundtrack. Um, so I would say between our, our two picks, Jamil, quite honestly, I think I was the only one that really did pick pick a title that truly did get the essence of the question and, uh, that was being presented to us. Um, however, I'm not going to discredit Adam's uh, thing because I there is some there is some obviously some pieces that were made for the movie. Um, but um, I can't remember any of them off the top of my head, but that doesn't mean they're not good. Um, but my entire my entire movie has an actual full score that was done by BBC Orchestra and uh, and with the help of obviously Johnny. Um, so I would say that I'm clearly the winner here, Jamil. I don't even know why we're continuing this debate. I'll, I'll tell you why. Okay. Uh, I, I went long and hard thinking about this as generally I would agree with you and I, and I did debate with myself as far as what what a score versus a soundtrack is and but but this picture couldn't have been made without that soundtrack behind it which became really the score yeah. and you you can't you can't debate that I mean it, it just it just is well I can it's not a score but well, I... all right <laughs> <laughs> you know, I chose it because I think that the that that soundtrack became the score, and you know, and, and it, you know, I, I, while I love your movie, but I can't, I can't unless my, I can't in my mind play anything, but I can play definitive movie scenes based on that uh, in Almost Famous. I mean, the, the scene, one of the most famous, uh, famous movie scenes in music history is actually the scene in the bus when they recreated Dainy Dancer, when everybody came together again, it was a relationship building moment. Uh, you know, one of those things that just, you know, defined a movie and, and movie history. And that's one of them. It's, it's gotta be up in the top 50, top 50 uh, 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 movie scenes that have ever made. And I, I do support your, your score versus soundtrack. Mm -hmm. This movie brought them together. Almost Famous brought them together. Okay, uh, Jody, um, mm -hmm. uh, hold on a second. You said the soundtrack became the score. I, I want to hear how, or this this debate is over. Yeah, how, how, how is this? Okay, well, every every movie needs background music. I understand that, right? You have to have a, a scene that builds up to something, right? Whether it's intense sound, intense tempo, intense, you know. I mean, you can have a scene with no music, and it wouldn't mean anything. Throw the music in, we're good. Uh, and this is what what almost famous did. You had definitive uh, uh, scenes that were created because of the movie, uh, the music chosen for that. That uh, memorable as hell. Uh, and you know, I, I stand by it. I do believe in this case, this one case, the score was the soundtrack. Okay. All right. Uh, thank you very much uh, for your choices. Uh, the winner is Jody. <laughs> it's Jody, and I'll I'll, I'll tell you why. Jody, you did a great job in terms of detailing the the pension, the feeling that the score was the entire soundtrack. 
you you did a great job of detailing the relationship of the music to the actual movie. Adam, you also did that, but you also were very kind of intermingling the actual uh, Stillwater, Stillwater songs. Um, you were kind of describing that more than the actual score. Now, Nancy Wilson co-wrote some of the Stillwater songs and did the score. So if you were explaining like how they were building off of each other, when we would have been cooking, right? But unfortunately, without that point, that was the crux of your the debate I was really looking for. Um, Chris, um, you are doing a big disservice to James L. Uh, Venable, who um, has done a multitude of Kevin Smith movies. He did the score for Zack and Mary. Um, not even mentioning that, Primus had nothing to do with the score. <laughs> nothing. Nothing to do with it. Hey, Chris. They told me you'd be talking Primus, at least in one answer. I, I knew that was <laughs> Take a drink, everyone. We can't, can't do anything without mentioning Primus at least once. We can't. <laughs> that's funny. Okay. Um, I don't know how that's for strategy, uh, Chris, but, you know, you do you. Well, it doesn't um, work out for me very well. But to his point, he does win music a lot. Yeah, not, not this time. time. Not this not time. This it wasn't time. Even, he didn't even place. Okay, going <laughs> on to the next, next category. History is a long-winded question. In honor of Bill and Ted Face to Music, now in video and on demand, if you could go back in time and bring one person back from the past, which historical figure would be the biggest benefit to society in 2020? We're going to go with contestant number two, Adam. Hi, guys. All right. I picked uh, uh, JFK and, and simply looking a very North American and more U.S. focused and centric, but... Man, this last two years has been a disaster now, or four years has been a disaster down there. And, you know, coming together with the, 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 the pandemic right now, there'd be no leadership uh, and, and really needed it. So I'll give you five reasons that if we brought him back and put him into power, what would he offer? Well, first of all, we, we need a, a um, an effective communication and a bold vision. There's been, you know, you, you know what did JFK do? We're going to the moon. Decades of work to get them there. What do we need now? We need a career. Now we need people wearing masks. Now there has to be a bold vision and the leadership to take it there. Uh, he 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 definitely would have brought new innovation and and, and the technology you need to do it. He had had that thinking, you know, the ability to do it. He took risks and, and be able to advance a cause greater than himself. And you know, towards the country, you you know, there's no denying what he did in his short time in, in office, and as far as uh, advancing the country, and, and changing that stupid mentality they have now uh, of uh, the individual, but more into the greater good. Um, he followed his own moral concerns and his own directives, despite public opinion. And finally, the the divisiveness is that we f find now. He he would we wouldn't be in the same position because, you know, 40 years ago, 50 years ago, 60 years ago, he was already actioning against it. Okay. Thank you very much, Adam. All right. Uh, Chris. Yeah. Please go ahead with your entry. Okay. My entry uh, for this, um, hopefully it doesn't have to be someone from Bill and Ted. Um, if not, I screwed up this question again. But uh, my answer is going to be Stephen Hawking. Um, and the reason I'm actually passionate about this one uh, is because I think there's so many people out there nowadays that are, um, there's, there's anti-maskers out there 
There's this guy that opened up the barbecue joint. There's people out there that think the world is flat. You see them all over the internet. There's misinformed people all over the place. And I think that we need someone like Stephen Hawking, who was a theoretical physicist, who would uh, do the best to, to get his point across. I think we need more science uh, in today's society. I don't, think, I don't think that leadership is a problem. Um, so that's why I don't think we need JFK. I, I, think, I, don't, I don't think that leadership has been the problem except for Trump. I think that we need more scientists and people who can, like him, who can get the point across to people that, like, come on, how are we going to convince people that they're supposed to wear masks if there is like 1% of the population that still actually believes that the world is flat? Um I think Stephen Hawking is the guy. Um, he's written many papers. He's he's great at it. He's written many books. He can put everything down on paper and just bring science back. Okay. Thank you, Chris, for your entry. Um, going on to contestant number three. Jody, please proceed. I went a little bit more out of the box than these two. Um, I went with Jesus. And the reason why I went with Jesus is because I want to settle this damn debate, all right? Did he exist? Did he not exist? Is he who we thought he was? Is he not who we thought he was? And let's be honest, if he did come back and he is an actual real uh, real person and did, you know, all these uh, events did happen, uh, which I'm not going to say one way or the other how I feel, um, I would want to know how he would react to the to the new world and I would want to gain the knowledge that apparently he had. Um, which was, you know, loving, uh, loving myself, loving each other, you know, all that stuff. Um, so I think he would be a positive role model if he does indeed exist. Um, and I could bring him back. I think he'd be an excellent role model for today's uh, world to be able to get back to the basics of loving each other, stop being jackasses all the time, um, stuff like that. And um, I'm, I'm, for my last 30 seconds, I'm just going to go, Chris, he's only been dead for two years. Um, it really, his his influence isn't going to make much of a difference one way or the other. Flat Earthers have been around for a lot longer than two years. Um, so I don't think that makes much sense. Uh, and as for JFK, why not Lincoln? Why not Washington? Why, why JFK? So I would like to know a little bit more about that myself. Let's okay, go. Go. I... Ding, ding. Go ahead. Right, so so uh, why not? Why, why JFK? Number one, he's still relevant. Uh, you just mentioned, sorry, you said uh, Lincoln and who? Washington, any, any, yeah, right. any, so, any, any of the predominant presidents. They grew up in, in a different uh, century, my goodness. It was a lot, the world scale is too small. Um, the 1960s and, were different, really, as well. <laughs> as we learned from Star Trek, yeah. But, um, you know, I, I, I still believe that at least there's some, some, relevance there's he, he talks the same language he knows the same people he was already moving forward with so civil rights with mm -hmm. sorry joe uh, chris but you know your science science connection doesn't really work he was too brilliant uh hawking was too brilliant he couldn't talk to people uh kennedy took the science and and made it for the masses what, what you put a man on the moon for crying out loud i mean that was giant so you know i i just think that you know the common commonality that kennedy had versus uh, hawking um 
made him a pe people's person and plus the leadership that you need right now is crucial and and like it or not the u.s is the leader of the world it's still i mean they're on decline but they're still the leader and we need that you know the whole world needs that uh jesus is just again sorry jody for me too broad too too um I, too pie in the sky. I, I never thought you were so so altruistic, and I'm really happy about that. And it's to see that with you, like you know. Uh, but maybe only it, for this question. But maybe for this question. All right. But you know, I I, I think that that him coming back in in this world, 19 or 2020, is a wrong time. It's just you know you're gonna throw even more fire, fuel on the fire right now. Uh, we don't need religious battles, you know, on top of fighting a pandemic. We, you know what? Well, I, I, yeah. I just want to. Did you lose him again? You just want to say nothing? Okay, cool. I don't know. Okay. Can he phone in? Yeah, maybe phone in. <laughs> this one, we could use a still image and have him phone in. <laughs> Tell him to turn off his video. We'll just use a still image. <laughs> um, how about I talk while we're waiting? Um, Adam, I, I do understand your points there. I, I think some of them are very valid. Um, the reason why I picked Jesus was I was looking at more of a broader scale. I was looking at more of the, you know, um, you know, what did he actually exist? Did he not exist? You know, this is something that people have fought over. People have died for, um, you know, and of course, JFK, you know, uh, obviously civil rights and stuff like that. Very important. Uh, I will agree with you. Uh, but I don't know if he could really climatize to today's environment where Jesus, I don't think could either, but I think in a way that would be better for everybody else. Um, the impact that would be felt globally uh, JFK is more of a North American type figure. I don't think you're going to see a lot of, uh, you know, people, you know, too concerned about, you know, the, the resurrection of JFK uh, versus the resurrection of Jesus. Um, so I, I, I think um, I, I, as well as I, I do appreciate your point, and I will go on record to say I am an atheist. Uh, however, um, you know, I still think it would be nice to get a solid answer. Um, so I think that that answer is kind of more of my, my, my basic point. Uh, and I do agree with you, Adam. I, th I think a guy who's only been dead for two years, who realistically was one of the best geniuses of our lifetime, uh, and in some ways, many people's lifetimes, um, you know, I don't think he's really going to add too much to the equation already. He already really did impact our society in, in great ways. And I don't think he's really going to make much of an impact past that. Um, whereas uh, JFK, I think, would make a little bit more of an impact. But I think your biggest impact is obviously going to be somebody like Jesus, who, you know, people pray to, worship, and all that. Um, so I think overall, I think my, my point's a much more solid point. As far as uh, Christians go, um, they already believe that Jesus is alive and around us. You've Great. heard of the... the, the uh, so there, there's no point in bringing Jesus back. They already believe that he's alive. Well, that's only one section of, of a religion, though. Catholics believe it. Catholics believe that he's alive. Just just as much as they believe, believe that God is alive, they believe that God and Jesus are the same person. So if they think Jesus is dead, they, mm -hmm. would, they would also believe that God is dead. So Jesus is not someone who has to be brought back. As many Catholics around the world know and believe, they, they believe he's already here. Um, as far as world leadership, with there's a lot of people. I think Elvis is still alive too. There you know, are, but Elvis <laughs> doesn't necessarily mean anything. That's ridiculous. Final thirty seconds. Finish strong, people. 
All right. So guys, just, just again, you know, Chris, you're going to go on to leadership there. Let me, let me retort here. Cause I, I just think again, when, when, when Obama was elected, the comparisons were made Obama to Kennedy, people are craving that kind of leadership. And, and Jody, you said, you know, worldwide popularity, I disagree again, just the, the popular culture that, that has occurred, you know, building Kennedy up to this, this monolithic hero that he is now, uh, would make him worldwide popular. It wouldn't be uh, just Kennedy, up here. Kennedy, but he was a known womanizer. He was a known. Kennedy, <laughs> there was a lot of bad things about him too. Like Kennedy, Kennedy, I, I want to make one quick point. Kennedy has already been president, which makes him ineligible to be president again. Therefore, bringing him back would be no point to He's it. He's dead too. But come on, like, <laughs> yeah, that also makes him ineligible. He never got his second term, so he could actually. He never got his second term. He can come back and do it. Yeah. Well, he can do it for what? Like a little bit, but then for another four years. Do you not know how the system works? <laughs> you, you know what? I bet you they change the law for him. They would. Uh, if he if he rises from the dead and says, "I want to run," they might actually change it. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, I think I made my decision. Uh, Chris, you got knocked out pretty early, and you never really um, recovered from it. Um, only dead for two years, no influence, too um, brilliant, not um, able to connect with people. Th those things you never really retorted or was able to uh, uh, kind of respond to. Uh, the other two, great, great debate. A um, lot of great points that were, I, I actually wrote it down as I'm, I'm going. There was a lot you of back More than any other host. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to pay attention, okay? So um, I think what it really came down to is worldwide impact and jody did a great job of really selling me on it so jody you get the point oh boy oh, Camille, I, I gotta you gotta disagree well i mean i can't disagree with a judge but man <laughs> you did a great job you did a great job I know what you're all right all right um you guys are mostly doing a really good job hmm all right, going on to the next subject. Um, it is sport. What is the most memorable sporting moment in the last 20 years? Please um, describe the moment, please. Okay, thank you. Um, we're starting off with contestant number one, which is Chris. Okay, my sporting moment is from the 2009 Briar. I know Dave already knows what I'm going to say. Um, it's called Glenn Howard, the shot. The most amazing shot ever made in curling. Uh, what happened was it was the 10th end. He was His team was down by two points. Um, they were down by two. Uh, they, were, they were facing the yellow rocks. They were red. They were facing the yellow rocks. And Saskatchewan had two yellow rocks in the rings already. Uh, it was it was his last shot of the game. The only way to win this game was to somehow get both of those two yellow rocks out and score three points. This man manages to do it. <laughs> rock goes down the ice, off his red rock in the front, ricochets, and hits the other team's yellow rock. The other red rock... Bounces off to the to the right, knocks the other yellow rock out. He manages to stick three of his rocks in the ring, get three points, and win that round. Too bad it wasn't um, 
it was it was it was for a round robin game, but it, it is still considered the best shot in curling to this day. Okay, thank you very much. Oh, this uh, was about curling. Okay. Okay, so we're gonna move on to contestant number three, which is Jody. Please proceed. All right, Jamil. I picked something which um, I think everybody locally uh, definitely um, can appreciate. Um, this would be the Toronto Raptors 2018-2019 championship. Um, you know, after 26 years of championship drought um, in major sports for even Toronto, uh, Toronto itself, 20, 26 years, uh, the Raptors win their first ever NBA title. Now, not only did they win this title, they did, you know, two and a half, almost three months worth of just hard-hitting basketball. Um, even even the parade afterwards was something that people still talk about to this day. I still see it on, um, you know, I still see clips from it uh, popping up on my feed on um, Facebook. And this is, you know, a year and a half later or a year later. Um, you know, this is this is an incredible time for, uh, for sport, especially in the Toronto area, uh, which is where we're all near. Uh, for anybody who doesn't know that, um, this was a great accomplishment for a Toronto sports team. You know, we're, we're talking, you know, the last time something this hyped uh, happened was when the, the Blue Jays uh, won their back-to-back. Um, this was an incredible uh, achievement for Canadian sports when it comes to, especially the NBA, who, let's be honest, we don't look the strongest in the NBA when it comes to Canadian teams. Um, so, you know, this was this was an incredible moment in history for sports uh, in general. And this is something that I, I still remember, you know, uh, you know, seeing this happen. And, and it was an incredible time. OK, thank you very much, Jody. Um, Adam, please proceed with yours. Yeah, I'm going to describe something a little differently, which I thought was impactful for the world. The world, um, um, and it, it occurred on uh, October 13th, 2019, where the, the the first person to run a marathon in under two hours uh, did it in uh, one hour, 59 minutes, and 40 seconds, and and <clears throat> that is just a monumental uh, um, achievement. You know, now considering what the average person runs a five-kilometer race in in 38 minutes, uh, he, his name is Iliud Kipchoge. He's a Kenyan guy, and he ran it on that. You know, he can run a, a 5K in 14 minutes and 13 seconds. So just really crazy. But what did we learn from this event? I mean, my goodness. You know, first of all, you know what kind of eating that you need to do to run a marathon to win, and to to keep that that energy going in your body is just just one thing. Um, you know, to sustain performance. And they learned a lot about the carbohydrates you eat, you need to eat, you know, during and actually through the, the race. Um, you know, what else did you run? How, how wind influences uh, a race and what the kind of blocking you get from, from, you know, anything like that, any kind of external influence, what kind of weather is ideal to run a race in? Uh, and then finally, you know, with Nike's help, what kind of shoes you can run and, and run in, pardon me, and they haven't even announced what kind of shoes exactly they were yet. They haven't shared that with the world. So again, I wanted to take a worldwide impact and, you know, just an individual achievement, but something that was just great to see. Okay, uh, folks, debate. Well, uh, uh, sorry. As you, as you guys know, I've been um, playing curling for years, like probably eight or nine years now. And when I, whenever I see this shot or on, on TV or I look at it on YouTube, I mean, you can find it there. Um, you will see how much of an amazing shot it is. And I just know that 
in in my life, I would never be able to make a shot like that, no matter how much I practiced. That is like a one in a million okay. shot, which makes it so memorable. And it's such a Canadian thing, too. It's at the Briars. Yeah, I mean, that's great. But I mean, you couldn't run a race in under two hours, and you couldn't win an NBA championship either, honestly. So, I mean, you know, if you're going to use that mentality, I mean, you that answer, then we all win. Um, but, you know, I, I, I agree. It was a great thing for Canada, you know. But, again, it was Canada, and it's a very, very specific subset of people who like curling and play it. I mean, I, many, many do. I'm not, I'm not just in the sport. Um, and, Jody, again, you know, again, great accomplishment for Canada, great accomplishment for Toronto particularly, but not worldwide and not really changing. Every, somebody wins – Every day or every year, somebody wins the NBA challenging challenge, sorry, championship. Every year, somebody wins a briar. Not every year that somebody win or, or set a world record as far as winning, a, um, uh, uh, sorry, a marathon in that kind of time. That was game changing and still hasn't been reached yet, too, or a year and a half later. So, yeah, well, we, we've we also only had a year and a half to see that. I'm sure there'll be somebody else that'll come by and, you know, shave a couple seconds off of that or or whatever. It's, it's a constant thing. And I'm not discrediting it. That's that's an amazing accomplishment for humanity. Let's be honest. Uh, you know, the fact that a human can can do that speed is 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 remarkable. Um, however, I I went with what the actual question was, which is what's the most memorable sporting event uh, to me personally, as well as a lot of my friends. That, and that, a lot that's of a people. very very subjective question, Jamil. Memorable yeah, to who? Well, I also, well and that's I also true. debate it. Yeah. I don't think. Can, that I, can I finish my point or? Can I, I finish my point? Or, represents you know, like a moment. It okay. represents an entire season. Um, like if Jody had chosen like something like the four bouncer that Kawhi did off the ring, that would have been a mm -hmm. moment. But Jody didn't choose a moment. He chose he chose a I did choose a moment. I chose the minute that they won the that championship. That, that is fantastic. Up. You picked curling. For Christ's sake, could that. you have picked anything else? Um that as for as for Adam, now can I Maybe I can oh. have a minute to actually finish. Um, I'm not discrediting what Adam is saying here. I, I think as an accomplishment for humanity, I think that's a pretty interesting moment. I could not even name that gentleman. Um, and I assume it's a gentleman at this point. Uh, but I couldn't even name that gentleman. So I can't see how it's the most memorable. Um, I'm, I'm a person who acquires a lot of media presence. I, I, I'm watching you know news. I'm watching all this stuff. I don't even remember seeing this. So that that number one is a fault of the news services if they're not reporting this because this that's an incredible accomplishment. Um, but I do remember, and it does say in there, memorable sporting moment. Um, I I remember that. I, I remember the, the the celebrations. I remember you know the you know seeing all the hype on TV about it. I remember seeing that that final that relief that release that they saw on the court when these guys when these guys finally won this. This was a struggle. This was at least a three month struggle for them, if not longer. Uh, but a really hard you know two and a half three months uh, for them. And I feel that that is really what the the whole question is. And that's at least how I interpret the question. Of course, the judge will be the ultimate deciding on that. Uh, but but curling, like, come on, like, you know what? I'm not discrediting the, I'm not discrediting the sport. I actually enjoy curling, as you both know. Mike, got a fight, um, got a fight. But, but moment, you know what? It's moment, not Jody, when that happened. That, that moment, that twenty moment. fucking people cared about it. This is something that Adams, Adams thing. More this people is, cared about that. More people no, cared about didn't. mine. No one fucking cared about the fucking curling, except for a, 
very niche. It's on, it's niche on amount every, of people. every TSN highlight. It's on every curling it's fan every, site, which 20 fucking people go on to. Who cares? Everybody, it's, it's the number one I'm shot. I'm not discrediting it. It's a great it's shot. shot. That's fine. Ever made. The Guys, best shot ever. Really, really here. Memorable to who? And I think at the end of the day is when you exactly. look at something memorable to uh, a ge geographic area, ge or a country is one thing, but geographic or memorable to the world as far as a, a you know a, a, a accomplishment like the one I described it, is just key. I mean, it it, it, in, it impacts everybody. You can't world you can't curling champions that. look at this shot and they're like, wow, that is the best curling shot ever. You know that, you know that's great, right? and the hundred people that care right. about that are amazed about it. I'm sure. Who cares? Honestly, I'm not discrediting curling. I enjoy curling, and I think it's a hard thing to do. I learned that the hard way. But is it a is it something that's most memorable for a lot of people? No. Okay. It's, it's, it's a very okay. niche market. I, I I think we're now talking in circles. Uh, thank you, everyone. Um, I've made my decision. A um, lot of great points uh, mentioned. Um, uh, Chris, you helped out Jody when you what? you had him specifically define. Um, what he was talking about because it was kind of vague in terms of your response. It was kind of vague. Um, Adam, uh, great job in terms of detailing um, how um, impactful it was, uh, what was the different elements that were involved in it. Um, I was uh, quite surprised in terms of the information that you provided. Uh, Jody, uh, once again, you always bring a very consistent um, amount of information and arguments to the point. Um, but although you do um, do overpower conversations, I feel like Adam um, had the stronger argument overall. So Adam, you get the point. Thank you. And Adam, uh, just, just to point out, you got to fight and you got to step on some toes because uh, <laughs> Jody and Chris don't necessarily care if you put your hand up okay no all right <laughs> we're going uh, <laughs> just to uh, recap the score here yes um we got adam with two jody with two chris with one and this is the wild card round so chris will need this point in order to even qualify for a tiebreaker okay yes okay i'll be surprised if chris has even seen this movie <laughs> what this one i'm, I'm most interested in um <laughs> This one I'm most interested in, which is our wild card question. Who is the true villain of the Wizard of Oz? And I specify not the Wicked Witch of the West. So um, I believe um, it is uh, Chris's turn to um, to start off. So go ahead, Chris. Okay. Um, Jody, I have seen this movie before. Oh, good. <laughs> I've that makes things easier for you. I think I've seen it once. Uh, and I'm going with Toto. Uh, Toto the dog, yes. Um, the reason Toto is a true villain in, the, in this story is um, because he's a, a little shit. Um, when the tornado is coming, uh, Dorothy and her family runs into the house. Um, Dorothy tells Toto, get down to the cellar. Get down to the cellar. And what does Toto do? Goes and fucking goes under the bed. That little piece of shit. So because of that, Dorothy is forced to chase her dog and the fucking house gets swept away. That's it's, it's all because of that little dog that they had to go to Oz in the first place. So he fucked up their lives. Um, then near the end of the movie, um, guess what? Dorothy 
is um, going away. She's going back home to Kansas. She's going in the hot air balloon. Um, but guess what happens? Toto, that fucking little shit, runs away. And, Do- and Dorothy has to chase him. Dorothy has to chase him. Guess what? Fucking air balloon takes off. Dorothy's not on the air balloon. So not only did he get them there in the first place, he fucking fucked up the escape plan. Okay. Um, I have to give him credit. That wasn't bad. All right, uh, Chris, thank you very much. Toto, as a response, um, we'll go to contestant number two. Adam, can you please proceed with your response? Yes. Sorry, one second. No worries. Gotcha. Okay, I picked uh, Amara Gulch. uh, And, you know, I'm talking about the person in the first scene of the movie. Uh, it opens up with Mrs. Gulch showing up at the uh, the Gale's house, the, the farmstead, and accusing um, Toto of biting her and basically, you know, crawling in her gar- garden and biting her. And she said, you know, because of this, I'm going to have this dog put down. Um, so what did this, this, this started this, you know, showed, showed again her, her, her meanness. She's, she's, she's definitely somebody with some clout in town that she can go to the police and say, I want this done. I uh, don't believe, you know, there's, there's definitely some elderly abuse and some bullying going on from this woman. She's, she started this whole movie off uh, and, and the direction that it started going because of this. So her dog, she stole Toto. She's got the police order to bring it to be put to sleep for crying out for, for a, probably a nip. And this is awful. I mean, on, you know, if you're a dog lover or any animal lover, this is not, not tolerable. People can put up with this stuff. So she puts it in their little buggy and she's going down the road looking very stern, very scary as a kid watching that movie too. It was like, I, I was always afraid, fearful of her and they, they teed that, that part of the movie up really well. But, you know, Toto escaped, runs home. Dorothy sees her, sees Toto and runs away from home, starting the movie off uh, with the whole, um, you know, escape from home and then getting caught in the tornado because of the, she was away from home. So this is, she, Elmira Gulch is the catalyst for Wizard of Oz and, uh, the worst person in that movie. Okay, um, Jody, um, your uh, your entry. Um, I I went with probably the most obvious choice. I would least hope anybody who's watched the movie more than once would 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 come across. Uh, I went with Glinda the Good Witch uh, because she literally causes shit the entire movie. Um, she, it starts off, it literally starts off with a bloodbath, essentially. A, a, a person gets killed, uh, which in this case is obviously the Good Witch of the East. Um, and it, it's a celebration, right? And she kind of leads it, okay? Then on top of that, you have her later on taunting, uh, you know, people because of the fact that, you know, these, these slippers, uh, you know, she let, essentially puts them onto Dorothy. Uh, you know, which obviously is kind of a douchebag move as well. Um, then, you know, like stealing somebody's like shoes off of a dead body is just, that's gross to begin with. Like, that's just, that's just terrible. But anyway, um, you know, she also through the entire movie blames Dorothy for all the problems that are going on. Uh, she doesn't, you know, once, you know, really just kind of, you know, let things slide. It's always like, it's really Dorothy's fault. You know, like Dorothy, Dorothy caused all this shit it's like you know which obviously is you know there's a little bit more psych going there um she's you know there there's so many other things i can even say but literally the 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 entire plan of the movie was really set in motion by her uh so this is all stuff that you know just kind of leads to the fact that she literally is the most evil piece of this entire equation 
Okay, everyone, go ahead and debate. Chris, Chris you can't pick a dog. Why not? Why can't I pick a dog? It doesn't. Tell me why he can't pick a dog. Um, you know what? Okay, I'll tell you why. It said villain. Okay, you have to be intentionally a villain. You have to have intention to to want to destroy things. A dog reacts. A dog ran out of the bed because he was scared of the storm. Simple as that. You know what, though? You chose Mrs. Gulch, who was um, the alter ego of the Wicked Witch of the West. Listen, so she kind of kind of chose the Wicked Witch of the West in, no, in a roundabout way. I, chose, I did not choose the witch. No, he chose, I did not he choose, chose the witch. The I didn't person that was based on. In my story, I didn't even go to Oz. Okay, and my, my choice is that you, listen, you wouldn't even have this happen without Amira Gulch. She started the movie off by choosing Toto because I guess because he Toto bit her. It. So he is the villain. He's maybe she wouldn't be such a Toto's not the villain because he bit her in the first place. Horrible woman. Maybe she would have been a great woman if Toto didn't bite her. Would you oh be happy God. if you got bit by a dog? I'm not happy about that. I don't think I'm going to kill a dog that bites me. There's a reason for it, generally. Well, I might, so, and people do kill dogs that bite them. That maim them, that rip them apart. A little different. You know so what? Me... I, have, I have a little dog. I have a Shih Tzu. And I let her out to go to the washroom in the front sometimes. And guess what? She'll run across the road. She's a little shit. She's a little villain. I, I get so mad at that dog. I have it's, to yell at her. It's, it's, you can't have a dog. Why? Because you it's acting really different. different. Okay, I can sign this all up. I thought you were going to go. Villains don't have to be human. Well, that's true, but they do have to have intent. The Wizard of Oz. Do you think he is? Do you think he's human himself? No, he lives in Oz. I don't know. Um, Yeah, but does he have intent? Toto was also the one who exposed him. Like that dog's just. Toto didn't run around with a knife trying to kill people. Like he he literally was just acting as a dog. It's not a friggin' horror movie. That's like me saying that your dog's a terrible dog. Dog is not the villain of the movie. The dog Guys, I can character. sum this all up. The worst villain is obviously Glinda because through the entire movie, Dorothy wants to go home. And the entire movie, no one tells her that she could just click her fucking heels together. And the only person who would know that would be Glinda. And Glinda literally let this entire fucking thing happen in, obviously, well, some people interpret it in Dorothy's head. Uh, but... It's literally that one piece of information that she doesn't bother to give makes her the most evil out of everybody because literally we can end We don't know that she knows. She had a very different intent. She was trying to teach a lesson here about wanting to go home and the importance of home and and you know when you get there there was there was a lesson lifelong lesson going in there. She was also providing some some much needed you know hearts and oil and everything else for the Tin Man and courage for this the lion. I think that she provided a path for those guys to get down before uh, sending Dorothy back to Kansas. Now, as far as as uh, you know, the, the, you know whether you know she, she had other intentions in mind, sure, but I don't think it was villainous. And she towards oh, Dorothy absolutely. certainly not a villain. And then, as far again, back to Gulch again. Like, just just think of this. Nowhere as, in that as, question uh, does it say it has to be. Gulch had like literally one scene in the movie where she was riding a bike. No, 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 she didn't. You think about this. She like she was like very very mean to the Gales. Like no, that was she was in there for a while. Old yeah. crew, old old. Sorry, not crew. Old uh, husband and wife trying to run a farm. You know. Um, this raising your niece for you know and but she just she's just obviously has some status in town and uses it to the bad and she's not she's not a very nice person 
All right. Glinda is trying to actively wipe out every fucking witch in Oz. Okay, she is on a power struggle. She is trying to. She's trying to run the whole show. Because she's not wicked. Of course, if you're not wicked, you want to run the whole show. You don't want to wicked. She's obviously wicked. She's stealing shoes and not telling people how they can get home when they want to. You didn't know. It was the wizard that. She's a jackass. It wasn't her. She's yeah, a total I don't, I don't, jackass. And you know, it was all about power. She also has power. She's also very nice to people. She's a very, very yeah, good force. Yeah, deceitfully nice. You can, you can be nice and be a villain. Okay, Come on, okay. Now. So before we um, we, we finish up, I want um, just a couple seconds of just strong points for you and against the other people. Jody, go. Uh, the entire demeanor of Glinda is she's she she acts like she's a friend, but in reality, she's she's blaming Dorothy for things. She's stealing people's shoes. She's withholding information that's valuable. She's basically on a power trip struggle. Um, as for the dog. Dog, uh, yeah, it's a dog. It's 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 acting like a dog. I that's totally. I don't even know how Chris is even in this. Uh, as for Adam, I think Adam has a very decent point. However, this is not this this was about the Wizard of Oz. Obviously, as a whole, I don't feel that that answer really does give me a villain for the entire movie because her alternate ego, essentially in this scenario, is the Wicked Witch. Um, you know, I I do I feel strongly that Adam is correct on the fact that at the beginning of the movie she's definitely a villain. Um, but is she a villain throughout the entire movie of The Wizard of Oz? No. Okay. Whereas Glinda, I think, is. Adam, go ahead. All right. Uh, Gulch, she she operates on fear. She operates on intimidation. Mm -hmm. She operates on, you know, uh, pushing people around and using her status in town to be, you know, bigger than she is. She set, set the movie in, in, in motion. She was trying to kill a dog that's a little dog that probably nipped her. Um, and, and really, you know, without oh, that. I don't know that. She could have killed her without baby that, for all we know. She didn't show any blood. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Dorothy would not have run away from home. She would not have run into Professor Marvel and then have to come back because she's missing her aunt so badly. And you know, this was the, this is the catalyst again that sent her in motion, uh, and actually the entire movie in motion at that point. I, and again, Chris is a dog. We're not, it's not <laughs> Chris is a dog. Okay, okay. Chris. You know what? The dog. The dog is the entire reason that uh, Mrs. Gulch is pissed off. The dog is the entire reason that they get stuck in the tornado and go to Oz in the first place. The dog is the entire reason that Dorothy can't go home in the hot air balloon because the fucking dog runs off. Um, the dog is the entire reason that the Wizard of Oz gets exposed and and you have to find out his true identity. Um, well, then the he's a hero. Definitely the villain in this movie. Uh, Mrs. Gulch is hardly in this movie. So what? Uh, she gets bit at the beginning. That's because my character was villainous first. Your dog's actually a hero. You just said it. Okay. Um, I think I've uh, kind of made my decision, and I'll just break it down exactly why. Now, um, intention not there, only instinct. Great point. Uh, Chris, you kind of got knocked out with that one. Um, <laughs> but uh, also the, the point that... Uh, that Adam made with uh, Glinda trying to teach a lesson that needed to be taught, creating a path before sending uh, folks home. Um, that is also a good knock against Glinda as to why she did the things that uh, she did, which uh, uh, Jody, you did a great job describing all the, the stuff that can be interpreted as villainous acts. So great job mm -hmm. in terms of that. Adam, you did a great job in terms of detailing uh, the the bookends, I, I should say, of of um, Gulch's um, evilness and villainy 
that occurred. Uh, yes, you didn't fight off um, the alter ego, the Wicked Witch. They, they kept trying to hammer you home with. Um, even though um, I'm not recognizing her as the Wicked Witch of the West, um, stating that she is the alternate ego of the Wicked Witch of the West is still a point regardless. Um, stating that her villainous acts were a reaction to Toto is actually a great point that uh, Chris made. Um, so overall, um, the person with the most points, uh, Glinda, the good witch, which is Jody's great job. <laughs> I just okay. want to ask one question though. Yep. Um, did anybody pick that other than me? Uh, no, no. I'm, really? I'm actually okay, surprised, surprised that no one picked Dorothy, but I was going to pick Glenda. Dorothy would have been a good pick too. I, I think that Glenda, I, it was too close to Wicked, and you know because if you read Wicked, she is I've the never she read is Wicked. the okay. Well, Wicked. She, if you read Wicked, she is the the, the villain. Oh, yeah, really? She, okay, I didn't know that. So um, I thought that's where you were going when you started, but you, know, you didn't. No, so. actually, I've never seen it. I, I I'm aware of it, but I don't know yeah. what it's about or anything. Or read it. Or read it. Or read it. Or read I it. Huge photo. <laughs> okay, so. Um, Chris, unfortunately, again, um, Chris, actually, I want to commend you. Um, you did a great job in terms of defending your point. You stuck with it and you never gave up or anything like that. You had a lot of passion. I commend you on that. Great job. Thank Can you. I say one quick thing, if you don't mind. I've been on this show more than anybody. Okay. And I have to admit that this is probably the strongest one Chris has ever been on. Oh, come I on. I didn't make did. any notes. No, no. No, but you did. You were very strong on, especially the first two. The first two were very good for you. Yeah. So, right. so just imagine if you did make notes. Yeah, okay, he might. Nice he might be. He might be further. Okay. <laughs> well, thank you, Chris, for joining us. Um, I eagerly await your next appearance. I will continue watching this show. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you. Thank you for that. That's that's great that you would uh, uh, grace us with your presence. <laughs> Going on to the speed round. Adam, Jody, both of you have competed and made it to the next round. I applaud you both, and we're going into the speed round questions. Um, now, I'm not sure exactly which one you wanted for movies. If we're starting with movies, that's a very. Good uh, can point. I can I also ask a question? What's the format on this one again, Dave? Is this a we shout out our answer, or is this a we have two answers we have to? It pick depends up? on the on the question. Um, uh, uh, these are all <laughs> open ended, so. <laughs> There, okay. There's a couple that are either or, and then there's a couple that is a definitive. True, true. Actually, the, mm -hmm. the one I, I I thought was your movie one is the, but it actually could be more of a TV slash. There, there, there's somebody behind you, Jamil. Yeah, a, a special I know. guest. A special guest. I'm running a game show right now. Okay. Oh, hey, guys. Okay. Hey. So but I we appreciate it. About Thirty minutes. I'm running a game show right now. Can I? Could you please hold on? Thanks. It's a live show. Damn pet password, man. I got to remember the password. I have a million passwords <laughs> in my head. You know, all this information <laughs> that's locked inside. I don't know who that special guest was, but she seemed lovely. Oh, that's nice. I don't know how true that is, but nice. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, all right. Um, what did you do? You mark off as producer. What did you mark off as a movie question? I have the, it's the one with, um, you know who, um, uh, S. Yes. Okay. Well, we'll, you know, okay. We'll, we'll sub it in as the movie question. It's fine. It's so okay. it'll, it'll be our first one. Okay. Okay. Um, this is either or 
Which had the better portrayal of Spock, Discovery or the Kelvin Universe? Kelvin Universe. Well, I guess I have the other one then. So go ahead. <laughs> okay. It, it says best zombie film though, so I'm guessing that's the wrong credit. <laughs> nope, that's that's incorrect. But go ahead. Anyway, go ahead. Why? Oh, why? Oh my goodness! It, it stuck to the. I, listen. I, I believe it, it really stuck to the original Spock. It, brought, it had this original Spock in it. There was definitely some continuity between the, the original and uh, um, and the Kelvin. Um, also brought that in Zachary Quinto's um, um, interpretation of Spock was just fantastic. I think he did a great job playing Leonard Nimoy. Okay. So I kind of missed the question itself. So okay, what was the I'll question? restate it again. Okay. Okay. Which had tell me better... what my answer is because he's already picked one. <laughs> Which had the better portrayal of Spock? Okay, uh, Discovery or Kelvin Universe? Uh, just give it to him. It's fine. Okay, Jody. <laughs> I, I Jody, can't. I what can't, the... I can't argue it because I've never seen Spock in Discovery. So how can I argue that? You could lie just to be... me. Lie okay. to me. I think no, that you the lost. person you lost. who I don't you know lost. is uh, obviously very good at Spock. Okay. There we go. Adam, you Let's get the point. Thanks. Right. Okay. Well, now we're even. We're even now. You guys. All right. I need you to argue. Okay. You can't argue something I've never seen. That's just wrong. But anyway. Okay. okay. Going uh, to the television so question. I see. Assume... be about Discovery. I just want to make sure I have the best. I have the right one in here. I think I do. Um, Who is okay. this host? This is garbage. This, this this show's gone downhill since I'm not the producer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Which was the better show, SCTV or Kids in the Hall? Kids in the Hall. Great. Go to your go first. Kids in the Hall was hilarious. Uh, Kids in the Hall, the nice thing about Kids in the Hall versus SCTV, and I am a fan of both of them, quite honestly. Um, however, between the two, I enjoy Kids in the Hall more. I think there's much more variety. Um, there is some reoccurring characters, but not as much as SCTV. SCTV really is a reoccurring character type uh, skit format. Uh, there is some, obviously, original stuff. Uh, Kids in the Hall, I find, is just the the mending of the, of the five players in that show are fantastic. Um, not to discredit the cast of SCTV, but I just think uh, they play off of each other really well. Hey, go ahead. I, I loved uh, Kids in the Hall, too. I just think, though, for as part as a, a legacy, and you take a look at these names, and, and as I say them, John Candy, Eugene Levy, Rick, Rick Moranis, Catherine O'Hara, um, you know, you, every one of those has a huge film filmography behind them and, and just have created such a great legacy. If you go to, to um, Scott Thompson, I can think of one thing he's been on since. So, uh, which was a good movie, a good show. But I mean, other than that, he, there's not a lot of legacy there. But again, great humor uh, and set, you know, a, a stage for, for future for future. Do I get to rebut it all here? Yeah, let's hear. Yeah, we should have like a minute, minute rebuttal. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I was gonna say because we normally do, right? Um, I, as much as I agree with uh, with Adam on some of his uh, things, listing off the actors that were in a show that are now more successful does 
doesn't make the show better. Um, so therefore, Kids in the Hall, even though, yes, they may have not had uh, much in the ways of careers past the actual show, the show itself was quite quality. Um, the skits were hilarious. Uh, they did spin off a couple of movies, which weren't bad. Um, but um, overall, I just think, um, <laughs> yeah, well, pinch, yeah, the pinchy head thing, you know, obviously we know that one. Um, SCTV, I think, is a fantastic show. Don't get me wrong. Um, I find it's a little dry at times uh, compared to Kids in the Hall, where I find almost every skit is is pretty good and pretty enjoyable, whereas SCTV had a lot of hit or misses, and it really depended on who was in that skit for that particular character, I, I think uh, which I found was really nice. I think you need to look at the time it was set. It was it was groundbreaking at the time. It was brand new. It was different. It came out of Canada. Uh, you know, one of those mm -hmm. things that that broke through uh, North America. Anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, and you're right. But again, it was it was. You it know, was, I, I think that, that SCTV set the groundwork for a lot of these comedy troops and and uh, made it easier for the kids in the hall to come along. And I love kids in the hall, but yeah. I just think the stronger kids, the two. Kids in the hall was 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 the brainchild of Lauren Michaels as well, uh, which is obviously of um, Saturday Night Live fame. Um, I just think we know how to do a skit show better, uh, and I think that's why Kids in the Hall was a better skit show between the two of them because of the fact that they had that direction from Lauren Michaels as well as uh, various other talent. Yeah. Well, well, SCTV's strength was really figuring out themselves and, and without, without uh, Lauren Michaels. Gra groundbreaking yeah. for sure. Yeah, groundbreaking for sure. I'll give you that. Okay. Um, thank you. Uh, I'm going to have to give that to Jody. Uh, Adam, you really were great with one point specifically, which was the legacy of the cast. But uh, Jody did a great job in terms of just detailing what the actual show was and its influence and its uh, ability. Uh, what what is it? content? It's just, sorry, influence. not influence, but like in terms of like describe the show in detailed, like it doesn't rely on its returning character on returning characters and skits. Um the the melding of well, the team, it, like there's a lot of scenarios. Yeah. yeah. Um so right. fine. Okay. All right. <laughs> Adam, get used to that feeling. It happens every time. <laughs> All right. So next one, Jamil, I don't have any text, so you'll just have to make it up, I suppose. So Great. I can just yeah. follow my list and Okay, which which is better? Oh, music. Um, okay. All right. Okay. Apparently, we can't follow it. <laughs> um, I'll just detail it. Uh, who is the um? What is the better band? Uh, Queen or Aerosmith? Queen. Uh, Queen is Queen. I guess I'll start. Uh, Queen is Queen is a more iconic band. I feel. Um. This is, you know, you can't really go nowadays with any action movie without a Queen song being in it. Uh, Aerosmith, even though it's a fantastic band, don't get me wrong, I really do enjoy them. Um, I just think Queen has a much bigger influence on on the entire world versus Aerosmith is more of a very North American-based uh, uh, act, which I think Queen is more universal. Um, everybody knows, you know, we will rock you, you know, you know, we are the champions, all that stuff. Um, so I just think Queen is just a more universal um Universal band, universal platform, I guess. Yeah, yeah, true. You know, I think there's some some points you made that are great, but I do believe one thing here is that Aerosmith did a did, did a monumental thing in breaking down uh, music barriers by you know doing uh, "Walk This Way" with with Run DMC, and I just think that video alone and that that song can, combining those two bands together from totally different uh, music styles and music genres. Uh, broke barriers down and, and showed a difference that you'd never seen before in, in music at that time. And you know, amazing to see that 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 uh, that one that one song 
introducing Run DMC. Remember, if you remember the video, but when the when the wall came down, walk this way, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. it was fantastic. I just thought, you know, that was for me a defining video uh, and defining song at the time because I liked the song before and I liked it even better afterwards. And I know it's only one, but again, mm -hmm. you didn't see that barrier broken down by Queen at the time. Okay, debate um, rebuttals. I, I think a lot of Queen music. Oh, sorry. Uh, I think a lot of Queen music, as I said, is more universal. Um, a lot of the Queen music can be uh, moved into other genres as well, such as orchestral. Um, I can't think of any song that uh, really um, Aerosmith does very well that uh, I think an orchestra could do any justice on. Um, you know, I think it's more universal. Um, I, you know, I learned some songs when I when I learned how to play cello. I actually learned some of the Queen songs. I'd never learned an Aerosmith song on cello. Um, you know, I when I was working on piano, same thing. Um, you know, it's a much more iconic band. I feel, um, even though Aerosmith, don't get me wrong, I think they did actually break down some barriers. Uh, you know, pun intended, um, you know, especially with that song. Uh, but, you know, doing, you know, working with another band doesn't make you a better band. Uh, you know, we've we've seen that many, many times, especially in recent history. Uh, Queen, I just think, you know, it, it's it's music that is so eclectic. It's all over the place. Aerosmith, when you listen to an Aerosmith song, you know it's an Aerosmith song. When I listen to a Queen song, I don't always know it's a Queen song because they, they move around. They, they do other things. There's a lot of experimentation. If I may, just one more thing for me is on this is that, you know, just the longevity of the band. I mean, Queen is still relying on its hits from the 70s and 80s and early 90s versus, yep. uh, you know, Aerosmith is still going strong. Well, maybe not strong, but still going and, you know, putting out music. Name a song in the last 10 years they've made. Uh, can't. Sorry. Okay. But, but still, listen. Uh, name that, a song that doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything because, you know, at least we have a band that's still performing. I mean, I saw them five years ago at, at, at uh, the Bud Reiser place. Queen is Listen, <laughs> you cannot say Adam Lambert is still original. I mean, that, no, but unfortunately, their lead singer is dead. So, yeah, but that's that's my point. As far as, I mean, you know, I, I agree Queen is iconic. Okay. They've got, that, well, not thousands, hundreds of songs that people probably know. I mean, it, it's, 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 Agree. So does Aerosmith, as though. As far as a contributing band that's still around and, and still making music, and and honestly, Aerosmith hasn't contributed anything since the early two thousands that anybody knows. Do you know a song since Armageddon? Well, I don't. When was that? <laughs> Armageddon was ninety six or ninety eight. Yeah. Do you okay. know a song past that that they used that was really reliable? Like, come on. Not really. I, I can't. I can't talk to that. But you know what? Steve Tyler still up there. Frontline singer is still up there, still contributing. The we fact don't that they're still alive is incredible. Here's the yeah. problem with Queen, okay? Queen stood a shit, stood, stood, should have st stayed dead. When they brought back Adam Lambert, <laughs> me, I will it was agree done. with you on that. Yeah, I, I, I don't like They should have just let things like be bringing back. Right. I mean, even with uh, Journey, I mean, leave how, these. How, how many versions of Dream On do we still need, though? Come on. Uh, one more. No, we don't need any more. Oh, okay, okay. Um, wow. Actually, I'm quite surprised by that because this was very one-sided until one point at the end really convinced me. And I can't believe I'm saying this at all, but Aerosmith wins. I, I can't. I can't I... Can you Adam, tell me what that one point was? Uh, Adam Lambert. Um, and it's legacy impacting the legacy of Queen. That oh, that's true. Gosh, yeah, yeah. very good point. Yeah, <laughs> wow. Okay, I was hoping you wouldn't go there, but he did. <laughs> yeah, 
Are you going uh, Good job, sports Adam. or history next? Um, I'm going to, to have to see what I sent you. Uh, I'm going to uh, let's do sports. We'll do sports next. I told Dave going into this, I was going to have a hard time with Adam. Okay, this is an open-ended question. Oh wait, no. I'm is, sorry. Yeah, your question. I'm sorry. Um, that is not my question. I will just say my question. Okay. I got it. I got it here. You can say it. I think that was a question okay. from a previous show. Yes, it was. Um, who is the biggest cheat in sports? Biggest cheat in sports? Yes. Hmm. There's a lot of them. Wow, this is a thinker. <laughs> <laughs> Can I throw it in? I'll go with Pete Rose. Pete Rose. I'll go with Pete Rose. Okay. Adam, you get a little bit more time to think about your answer. Go ahead. There you go. I, I, I'm being generous. Uh, Pete, Pete Rose was a, a chap who essentially was a coach and eventually um, it basically bet against himself. Um, you know, obviously there was a lot of scandal there. Um, I honestly don't know a lot about it because I don't follow a lot of the cheats in sports, so to speak. Um, but um, my understanding is that he uh, he tried to make a lot of money off of uh, either winning or losing, depending on what the situation was. Uh, and, you know, obviously I ended up getting kicked out. And uh, I don't even think he I think he got to he wasn't allowed to be in the hall of fame uh, because of his actions. Um, so obviously that's a, that's a big dinger as well because he was obviously an athlete prior to uh, prior to the scandal. Okay. Adam. I, I being a big baseball fan as well, I, you know, big as I, big as I like sports, but you know, I enjoy Jay's baseball. I, I would say um, Jose Canseco. Um, and if you remember that year where, you know, everybody was going through the home run derby, I mean, whoever's going to hit the most home runs. And there was a lot of, you know, worship around Canseco at the time. And then we, we found out that he was juiced up and just smacking those balls out of the park just because he's a little bit stronger than everybody else. And I found, you know, I found there was so much controversy. And, and, and imagine that was the biggest thing, the biggest news story, or one of the biggest news stories that year rather than pandemics, but um, whether somebody could hit a baseball. But it was, and it was giant. And he, you know, I thought he just fell off the pedestal of, of worship from kids. And it really bothered me. Okay. Um, I didn't even know Jose Canseco was that, so I learned something. <laughs> okay. Um, this is going to be an interesting debate. And um, go ahead. Do I, I might have to direct it. Okay. Um, how is uh, Pete Rose? Can I, talk, I can talk to Pete Rose if you like. You know, Pete Rose to me, you know, was a manager. I, I don't know if he, you know, to me, well, he was a player before he was a manager. Yeah, but when he what he was what he was convicted of, I mean, not convicted, but certainly thrown out of the Hall of Fame for it was was throwing the game, right? I mean, throwing, but or betting? No, he was he was betting on his own team. Yeah, he was betting on his own team. Right? Yeah. Is that right, Jamil? Yes. Yeah. So he was doing sports betting. Right. Is that really a cheat? I don't know. I mean, I don't think that he could really manage the cheating on loop. betting. <laughs> Because you were you, you know, fix the game, so you're cheating. But did, can you fix the game? Like you got a you got a whole roster of guys that you're going out to play. You're not. Well, you're not I think the White Sox. I think the White Sox prove that you definitely can fix a game. Um, so, but it takes more than one guy to be involved in the fix. Okay. Uh, when you're the manager and you're running the team, though, I I think you can you can definitely actively put a put a hammer into things. Oh, um, um, why Jose Canseco? Why not Jose Canseco? 
I didn't even know about this, so I can't really argue. I, I don't like. What did he actually do wrong? That he can hit hard, or was steroids. he on steroids? Steroids. Oh, okay. So he was on steroids. So obviously, that's performance enhancing. Um, yeah, he cheated himself, obviously. So that, that you know, I, I think that a lot of people. But you know, I think the impact that you know did. I, I don't know any of the history of Jose Canseco. Quite honestly, I'm not a baseball fan. Um, but when I think of when I think of cheats in sports. You know, Pete Rose obviously is one of the first ones that comes to my mind, uh, just because it's so it was so well known about it. Um, so I think popularity-wise, uh, definitely, uh, definitely a popular opinion. Uh, Jose Canseco, you know, being on steroids, obviously, I still think the steroid thing is 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 a bit of a cop out in a lot of scenarios. Um, there's a lot of people that take various things that can't be detected. Um, you know, so with that, a, a, you know, a, yeah, I'm sure steroids makes him better. I'm sure he, you know, could pump iron better, stuff like that. Uh, but you still got to hit a ball. Like you still gotta, you still gotta do things, you know, it's, so I'm, I'm not even totally okay. convinced that cheating is cheating in that scenario. Okay. Um, uh, listen, one more point on this. So Jamil, uh, one that, more, I, one more. Yeah. I think that Pete Rose will be forgiven one day and pardoned and put into the hall of fame again. I think this will. Really? Okay. Uh, all right. It so J- Jody wins uh, because uh, there really? wasn't, yeah. <laughs> I'm even surprised by that. But anyway, <laughs> um, I I think there wasn't anything enough distinguishable um, regarding Jose Canseco. Um, we were obviously able to talk more about Pete Rose and the impact on that. That's majority of the discussion. There wasn't really much rebuttal in terms of Jose Canseco. So I just I just have one point if I can make it. Who, who is that? It's Chris. Oh. <laughs> He's back. So for for the biggest cheater, how did neither of you guys choose Tiger Woods? Why would you oh, choose Tiger he Woods? <laughs> he cheated on his wife. Uh, <laughs> his wife. Anyways, uh, bye. That had nothing to do with this sport. Bye, Chris. Bye, Chris. <laughs> Here's his mic. We're done with him. I thought he was going to tell me it was the dog. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, you have a history question ready? Um. Yes. I have a feeling Adam's going to win this one. Um. Okay. Um. History. Um. Historically, who is the best superhero team? Okay. Best superhero team. Yeah. Pop culture history. You mean? Okay. Uh, I'm gonna go with the Avengers. I guess it's kind of a phone in, but I guess I'll do it. <laughs> Um, obviously we all know who the Avengers are, uh, you know, consists of Iron Man, obviously, uh, Black Widow, various others. Um, the, the impact on cinema, cinema even, uh, for, for this, uh, ensemble, uh, is remarkable. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but, uh, clearly, uh, very profitable for, uh, in this case, I guess, Disney. Um, you know, so it's overall, I think, you know, you're probably dealing with probably one of the biggest franchises, uh, obviously the MCU, uh, you know, Marvel Cinematic Universe, uh, and the Avengers obviously being the tie-in to a lot of that stuff. So I think obviously they're very, very uh, popular in this scenario. Okay. I I, I don't think that popularity and and, uh, dollars in the box office is is the question. I'm going to go with uh, the Justice League or Super Friends. Uh, You know, sorry, please specify which one. Is it the Super Friend or is it the Justice League? Pardon me, Super Friends, but leading into Justice League, okay? Super Friends, as you know, as kids, to me, you know, we we were 
we were brought up on their values, their morals, the, you know, fight for what's right and what's, what's and fight against what's wrong. And, uh, you know, for, again, every Saturday morning, you knew you could count on these guys to take you down the path of, of righteousness and goodness. And, you know, bringing in, you know, guest, guest appearances, guest stars every week or guest um, uh, superheroes was always good as well because you, you got to learn about other, other people and tolerances for people. And, and I think they were the, the beginning of, of uh, real, real education into, to what, what right, right and wrong is in, in terms of superheroes. Okay, Rebut. I'm gonna I'm gonna let the judge decide how he interprets the question. Obviously, um, I interpret the question as the best superhero team. I think when you look at that, even the media presence alone uh, for the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and in this case, obviously the Avengers, uh, is still an important part of this question. Um, the fact that you know they're literally the biggest grossing uh, superhero team, uh, you know, in movie in that type of media, uh, says something about that. Uh, and the fact that, you know, it's a very popular franchise. Uh, I'm not discrediting the Super Friends or, you know, obviously Justice League in this scenario, uh, other than the movie was terrible. Uh, but the, you know, overall media impact as well as the impact of the true fans, you know, people, I think there's a lot more fans of um, of the Avengers than there is of uh, of Justice League and or Super Friends in this scenario. Hmm. Uh, I, I don't see how the box office is, is relevant. Just you know, in terms of you're talking about a, a good, people are paying their hard money to to watch them. That's that that right there tells you how good they are. Why? Because it looks good. Okay, forget that. Let me come back to Super Friends, Jamil. You know, look at impact on your own morality as you as you grew up as a kid. I mean, these were good, solid role role players. You know, and I think that you know as a that's when you're defined and i remember those those saturday mornings and just really enjoying that, that show i couldn't wait to see it every week uh, we all wanted to be them we all wanted to play them you know in, in around the neighborhood uh i you know what a, what a great team and you when you see when 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 all of them are together batman robin wonder woman superman the core that core group was just unstoppable they never lost aquaman and well, Aquaman, Aquaman too. He was a little geeky, but I still, still forgot Aquaman. Aquaman. I don't know what happened there. Okay, yeah. um, Jody, do you have any rebuts against yeah. that? Um, I, I think he makes some good points. You know, your rose-colored glasses obviously are, are giving you an opinion, and that's fine. Uh, I'm looking at the hard stats. There's people that are spending their hard-earned money to watch this superhero team, and I think that definitely makes him the best. Um, the fact that you have such fan support, such widespread support, uh, the comics outsell as well. Um, you know, all these things combined, all the mar all the all the stuff that was there, uh, just leads you to believe that obviously this is the most um, this is this is the best group. This is the group that people really stand behind, spend their hard earned money on, uh, and I think that does something for it. Well, okay, so as a judge, Jamil, it's going to be morality and and impact on kids' lives and stuff versus box office. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, uh, historically, this question is supposed to be who is the best superhero team. Um, doesn't necessarily matter as to how you attack the argument at all. It's the points that are provided and the information provided overall. So, uh, in terms of the Avengers, a um, lot of points about how uh, people have reacted to the team. Um, mm -hmm and that everyone is aware of them. Uh, in terms of the Super Friends, um, heavy reliance on the morals and the impact it had on the individuals, uh, stated that they never lost, and actually mentioned members of the team as well. 
Um, I don't really believe, Jody, you've mentioned anyone who was on the Avengers, really. Um, and who consists well, of that team? That, that's fine. Yep, yep, no, it, it wasn't fine. a it wasn't a point that was heavily emphasized. I should state. Sorry. Fair enough. Um, so you are absolutely correct in terms of this is uh, media presence and impact versus uh, a more individual focus thing. And I have to give it to Adam on this one. Good job, Adam. Great job. Great job <laughs> on it. Um, it's really on how you interpret the questions. They're really open-ended on some of these questions, so that's why... If I had gone first, I would have gone Jody's way, I'm going to say. Just... <laughs> but you might not have argued it the same way. You might not have right. argued it the same that's way, right. and we don't know where it would have ended up. Um, producer, what is our next uh, thing, or can I just run through we're, my rest? We're going to wildcard. I picked one of your questions. I, Ooh, so is, producer, I hope, one. I hope this is the one you... This is for all the marbles, so here we go. Tried, so this is it. So before we start, great job, both of you. Um, thank you very much. So which is better, Baskin Robbins or Dairy Queen? Dairy Queen. All right, okay. Jody, you are going for Dairy Queen. Dairy Queen, number one, has obviously they have the blizzard, which is a very iconic thing. When people say they're going to go for a blizzard, most people know what that means. Um, you know, Baskin Robbins, yes, has the flavors going for them. I think if you actually count the amount of things that uh, that Dairy Queen can make, I'm sure it's over 31. Um, the the flavors obviously are, are a big factor for Baskin Robbins. However, Dairy Queen has so many variety of product. Um, you know, they have the Misty Vistas stuff. Uh, they got the blizzards. They have all the dips, uh, stuff like that. So there's so many combinations, so many things that you can make that really gives you a good variety. And I think variety is definitely important for sustainability of a business. Hmm. I think that uh, when you look at the history of Baskin and Robbins, it's been around for 65 years. Now, agreeable, I agree the fact that, that the, uh, the, the blizzards are iconic. Uh, however, that really didn't break out till the 80s, and you know, um, and if you think of who did that, Paul House, I mean, he was a great man. He went on to lead Tim Hortons for years. However, Baskin and Robbins has been a staple in Canadian households for over for six decades now. Uh, you know, it's got all the ice cream you could possibly want. They were very revolutionary as far as the, the clubs, uh, the club um, format where people could you know you buy so many and then you get another one and you just think about loyalty that creates right there that loyalty factor by creating the, the club the, the, i can't remember what the, 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 it was called but they had a you buy 12 i think and you get a free cone for free whatever it was but it, it, you kept people coming back and that again again early on in the days did did create that loyalty that people were looking for in their companies uh clean environment uh always always well staffed and great samples all righty. Uh, um, can I rebut? So, yep. Go ahead. Okay. You want to talk about a, a company that's been around long? Dairy Queen's been around since 1940. Okay. So um, the other thing is, I don't know if you have kids, Adam, quite honestly, I don't remember. Uh, my kids don't ask me to go to Baskin Robbins. Okay. They've never once said that, but they fucking tell me all the time they want to go to Dairy Queen. Okay. This is when you, when you talk about loyalty, loyalty, when it comes to kids, um, the other thing that's nice about Dairy Queen is that if let's say you're with your kids and your kids want the ice cream and you're not into that, you can go get a burger. You can go get some other things. They have a wide variety of product. And the benefit of that is the fact that, you know, I, I can always get a choice. Whereas when I go to Baskin Robbins, it's ice cream. Now, yeah, that makes them a bit of a specialty. And I agree with that. And Dairy Queen is obviously a specialty as well. Uh, but when you deal with, for instance, you know, my kids have never once, as I said, 
uh, ask for Baskin Robbins. They're aware of it. They know exactly where it is. It's actually closer than a Dairy Queen is to my house. Um, but they want the Dairy Queen because they want the blizzard. They want that excitement. They want the excitement of the different varieties. They want the excitement of the mixtures. They want the different types of products. They want to be able to change that. They don't want to go and just get a fucking cone with ice cream in it. Um, okay. you know, so what do you deal with that? Adam? All right. I, you know, what, what you say all that. Um, and, and sorry, I was wrong on my date. And the, the Baskin Robbins has been around since the 40s as well. Um, but I will say this is that as far as just, you know, experience and your ability to sit down in a restaurant without it feeling dirty and sticky, Baskin Robbins is the place to go. You can, it's just, it's a cleanliness. And for me, food safety is always paramount. And I just feel every time I go to the, 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 or the Dairy Queen, I'm just, it's just dirty. Um, I've never had that. And, and when I go to a Dairy, Dairy Queen or a Baskin and Robbins, I'm going for ice cream, not freaking hot dogs. And no, but I'm saying that option's there. Yeah, you know, but once you start diversifying, you screw yourself up. And, you know, just you can't go too, you go too far. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. They didn't stay true to themselves. Um, and they made the, their menu very complicated. And they ripped off Baskin and Robbins. I mean, Baskin and Robbins was the first with the ice cream cake. They were the first with just the club. And I, you know, I do believe. Um, Ripping off versus improvement are two different things. Hmm. Okay. I've made my decision. Great final battle, both of you. Um, before a decision is made, I would like to thank both of you for your time and efforts that you've come here. Um, really great debate. Uh, thank you. Thank you for the points and the the, um, uh, the points that you brought up. So concerning Dairy Queen, there was a lot of um, um, options that were brought up. The iconic um, Blizzard, uh, the variations and uh, combinations that are available. Um, variety in terms of um, hot options as well. Um, uh, uh, Baskin Robbins, you have also a, a lengthy period of time that it's been there, revolutionary with um, its clubs and um, introducing new products like the cake. Um, uh, saying that diversifying um, leads to a, a lower step in quality. Um, Cleanliness, uh, that's more of opinion, just like Jody's kids loving it is an opinion. So I'm okay. not taking those two things in, into it. So as you could kind of see my breaking down of information, there's a lot more points on Jody's side as opposed to yours, Adam, um, that really hit. So therefore, Jody, congratulations. You have won. Thank you. I, I do want to say one thing, though. Well, I always want to say one thing, but... Adam, you did a fantastic job as somebody who is the most winningest of everybody on this show. Um, you, your first shot out, you, you hit it right out of the ballpark. It was fantastic. You did great. Yeah, and Adam, if you were more aggressive in a lot of your points, I think that you would learn. Yeah. He'll learn. When he comes back, he'll be more aggressive if he comes back. <laughs> yeah. I know. Yeah, now see what works, man. Yeah, yeah, remember, this is his first time. He's got he's to gotta ease himself in. But yeah, well, it's yours, it's that what I would like to say Chris is, Chris. is as the most losingest person on this show. <laughs> you are? Um, yes. I would, I, would not, yes. I would not be proud that you beat me. <laughs> do not do not build yourself up over that fact. I'm not building myself up over anything. <laughs> what? That Adam beat you? Okay. Yeah. Wow. A couple things. Uh, Baskin Robbins has a lot of variety. <laughs> Why did you mention that? It has a lot yeah. of the same, like, uh, I Coach I've never Vinci. been to a Baskin Robbins. I don't know. <laughs> hey, thank I'll you. Cut it you. You, had me convinced. Bad, you had me convinced. I thought you did. I, so I haven't been in one in like 10 years. Just make that up. I think 
Joe, I thought you Jody, you were gonna be dead when uh, when Adam said, "Once you start diversifying, you screw yourself." And I was like, "Oh, Actually, that's a good point." That's an good awesome point. Burn. Awesome burn. Um, I'm like, what if do you I do also said, one? "I want ice cream, not soft serve," then I'd have been. That could have worked. Yeah, that could have worked yeah, too. Yeah. Good point. Because everything everything at Dairy Queen is based on soft serve. So, no, true. That's very true. Very very true point. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Great job, everyone. Okay, I got to do the plugs now. Um, for it, uh, so yeah, there's plugs. I, I said I was gonna oh. mention the plugs at the the end. This is oh, okay. we're we're near the end, right? Yes, so, um, big sure... now. <laughs> I know, big head. Um, great job, everyone. <laughs> Please, folks, remember to return to um, listen to Trivial Debates. It happens on the last weekend of the month. Um, you'll get more. Um, hard-hitting debates um, uh, that you will be able to listen to. Please listen to it on um, on our uh, podcasts available on um, Spotify and various other places. Our home on YouTube and where you can you can always watch it. Go back and watch the various um, other debates that occurred. Watch the ones I'm involved. More the first one, not the second one. When I teamed up with Chris, uh, that was not that was not a good time. That but, was a good <laughs> fun fun for us. I, I don't remember. Fun. I don't remember who won that one, but it was well, you and Kevin won that one. Oh, oh, I'm surprised. But anyway, all right. At the same time, watch the other great podcasts um, as well as such as Live Long and Podcasts, Star Trek TV and Movie Reviews. On Tuesdays, there's DS9 at 9-ish. On Wednesdays, there's Ted Trek, uh, where they watch the original series of various episodes of the original series. On Thursday, it's Disco Night, where they watch Star Trek uh, Discovery. Um, and then on yeah, Disco, Disco Night. Night. <laughs> and sometimes like on the weekend, it might be on a Friday or Saturday or Sunday, they have uh, uh, Star Trek Radio Theater where they take an old script from Star Trek and the wonderful cast that you see on um, the various podcasts perform different roles on it. And they, they bring the theater of the, the ear to you. Um, and then also... You like, have just oh. just wanted to show it here while we while we were plugging it. Uh, what make sure to check out April, December twelfth when we're going to be doing the finale of season one of Star Trek Radio Theater, where we're going to be doing Star Trek for the Voyage Home with many of the people, uh, or at least a couple of the people who are on here today. So, just wanted to uh, to call that out. Don't you dare miss it. Um, in addition. You have the Super Meta Brothers um, podcasting, which has scripted and reality TV reviews. Uh, we just recently got off of um, Big Brother. Um, there's a variety of shows you can go back into the back catalog and listen to, including Westworld. So check that out. And Survivor. What's so, Survivor and Big Brother. Yep. Yeah. Check all those out. Okay. Um, thank you, everyone, for listening. I was your host, uh, Jamil. Uh, I thank my producer, Dave, who was excellent in kind of keeping things organized. And last but not least, the contestants, which make the content of this show, Jody, our winner, um, Adam, our great runner-up, and Chris, that plucky upstart that one day we're still pulling that he will actually have a, a, a run of wins. He's, he's, he's the underdog. We want to win. Yeah. He's a late bloomer. <laughs> One, one day, day. One, one day, that stamp's day. gonna win. <laughs> All right. All right. Let's, uh, let's get out of here. The lovable scamp. That's what we should call him now. Yes. Mm -hmm.
Oh, thank you.